Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. And on today's episode of Real Talk Christian, we're talking about faith and science. Can you believe in one and also believe in the other? Or in order to believe one, do you have to get rid of the other? Fuller, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Fuller! What's going on, Welcome Mark? back, dude! Dude, it's, it's been a while. Well, not a while, a couple weeks. A couple weeks. So, how you feeling since we have officially interviewed, released, dropped the John Tibbs episode, dude? It's a fantastic episode. If you have not listened to it, you need to go back and listen to it, dude. It's episode twenty-eight, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-eight. I'm gonna go with twenty-eight. Which side note? He just dropped a new track, and we haven't even heard it yet. I know, this bro. Is crazy. Tibbs, Tibbs, what's up, bro? Man? What's up with that, bro? Like I you we dropped were a new tight. track. Oh, he's probably going to be like, well, you should be my patron. If you're my patron, then you get the track, which we get we'll, that. We'll be your patron if you're our patron. But 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 we don't have patron page yet. Well, you know. Keyword yet. Yet. Keyword yet. But if we ever do create a patron page, we got something new we could give to our patron people, bro. Yeah, just as of this week. As man. of this week. As of this tell week. them about it, dude. Tell them what your new hobby's been. So I, I, I think I posted it to Facebook a couple weeks back. Yeah, 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 you did. But yep. uh, we... We started doing, or I started doing some trial runs of roasting coffee. Like real, roasting your own beans. Real talk Christian coffee. So when, when you mean roasting your own beans, we're not talking like, oh, you went to the store and then whatever. Like you got real green Real green beans. beans direct from a farm in Costa Rica. So... Through a distributor, but yeah. But, but how'd you find this distributor, dude? Like, I don't from, even know the story. From a guy I work with who's been roasting coffee for 15 years, which is kind of how I started getting into it. Uh, he's he's big into it. He's got, like, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Now, I'm not quite that far yet until we get this thing. I got to do more testing before we can release it to our listeners. But, but tonight, we're drinking we're, RTC coffee. We're drinking Costa Rican RTC coffee. So yeah, this coffee is it's it's a light medium roast, which yep. which Fuller I mean he he called me out on because I said that's ah, a little weak, which your boy made a little weak, but it's okay. But we we fixed it. We it, fixed it's it. It's actually better now that we put it. We put fixed it. it. Yeah, we fixed it. But I'm 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 a dark roast guy. You are I'm more of a medium to dark, and whereas you, you're medium and, to light. And you are definitely a Charbucks boy. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I have let's let's put it this way. I have gotten my money's worth out of that forty dollar. Coffee tumbler, free coffee every day in January when you bring it in. Yeah, I've got my money's worth. I'm sure you have. Pretty close uh, now. Uh, I mean, I probably gotten thirty dollars worth of coffee in that, which is like t- you know, ten cups, twelve cups, something like that. Yeah. But it, you know, when it's a ten dollar tumbler after that or whatever. But no one Starbucks they would have charged twenty five for this stupid tumbler. Oh, at least. And then they would have been like, hey, now you can get discounts. But did you know if you bring your own cup to Starbucks, they only give you a ten cent discount. What? Like legit, bro. If We're you trying bring, to save the planet here. If you bring in, like, like you know, like those, uh, which you have them all, I got them all, those little, like, plastic Starbucks tumblers or whatever. Yep. If you bring one of those into Starbucks, they give you 10 cents off. That's it. See, this is why I started roasting my own coffee. Fun fact, though. My turn. Mark's, Mark's fun fact. <laughs> you, you go to Dunkin' Donuts instead, your coffee's 99 cents instead of, like, 250 It's because if, if, if you bring a Dunkin' Donuts mug. Life is better with Dunkin'. Just saying. Life is better with Tim Hortons. We need a Tim Hortons down here. That's mm. what we need. Or a caribou. I, I, I like my caribou. I'm, but I'm starting to become dude. more partial to RTC coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. But hey, hopefully we can release this to our listeners as a way to hopefully help. Hopefully in the next few months with some more testing and, and maybe some beta testing. Ooh. How about you fuel our podcast by supporting us and then we'll feel your, uh, we won't feel your life because Jesus is going to feel your life. We'll feel your bloodstream. But we'll, we'll give you a boost. 
Oh, yeah. We'll give you a boost in the morning. How about that? It's or in the evening. Dude, I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm just saying that this stuff is smooth. Like, we're recording. It is 7.45 on a Friday night. I'm not even a cup in. I got another cup. I got a drink. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm about not going making, to bed tonight, Making dude. another pot. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, this... But So, dude, hey. It's good. Some good stuff, it's bro. Good, Look at you. Look at you go. But, hey, so we we have milestones. We have almost reached 3,000 downloads for our podcast. We right. interviewed our first big-time recording artist, and now we have our own coffee. Well, and we got coffee mugs. And we got RTC coffee mugs. Man, we're, we're taking steps, man. And a buddy of mine who's a pretty, pretty, he's not famous. He's famous in his own circles. He's a Christian MMA <laughs> fighter. He still, he still texts me. He's like, bro, when I'm going to get on your podcast, so uh, yeah. keep an ear out. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, and then also uh, next week or the week after, I can't remember, but we'll be podcasting with our fellow podcasting peeps, Dudes and Dads. Dudes and Dads. That episode will be dropping either in a week or two or... Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. So we'll, we'll be dropping that one in, right. in two so. weeks. So we're driving out. So if you don't know, we're in South Bend, Indiana right now. Right. We're driving to Goshen, which is you know 40 minutes away or whatnot. Right. So we'll be doing that and yep. talking about... Well, we, we'll, we'll be doing a podcast for them, podcast for us. Right. So if you want to hear both, go to the Dudes and Dads podcast, like, subscribe. I believe, I'm actually, they, I know they have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have a patrons page where you can get t-shirts and all sorts of stuff. Um, but they have some really, really good um, podcasts. Dude, This uh, they did it a little differently than us where they have a season one and season two. Yeah. Season two, they stepped up their game, dude. dude. I'm telling you. They've stepped it up. It's, uh, remind me, is it Andy and... Andy and Joel. And Joel. I, Andy Lehman, I believe, is how you pronounce it. We and, apologize, bro, and, if we messed that yeah, up. Yeah, sorry, buddy. And Joel DeMott. And I only know DeMott because the boy used to be my pastor, so... Oh, you know. <laughs> th- there it is. So... Dude, go like their stuff, subscribe to them. We'll be talking to them about the Enneagrams and personality yeah, tests and it's stuff gonna like be, that. And you know what? I've I've listened to the previous podcast because I always listen Uh-oh. to, to kind of critique me and, and Mark to help the quality for our listeners better. But uh, well, I'm a little bit more swayed about the tool in the tool belt. Let's go. You got me. More The more I listen to it, uh, you know, it's going to be a good conversation with dudes and dads because... Uh, Mr. Jesus, Hi- Mr. Hyde over Enneagrams. Mr. Hyde over here has swayed me ever so slightly. I'm not like full on board with Enneagrams. It's a good tool for your tool. I'm belt. like middle of the road now. You know, there I'm you not, go. I'm not an extreme either way. I've come a little off my pedestal a little bit. Just a little. I got my hand on the pedestal still, though. He's like, I'm still touching it. I'm hanging on to it. You know, <laughs> like, like don't. It's it's like the old school road trip where it's like he's touching me. I'm I'm touching. Oh, it. I was thinking like it's a, if you win a million dollars, if you if you <laughs> don't keep your hands off of it, you know, you yeah, gotta, you, you gotta, gotta hold the truck, right? I yeah, picture. Exactly. Oh, what was that? Malcolm in the middle when his or see, I was thinking of Duck Dynasty when they were doing what was it? It was a it was a grill or something like that. Mm. Or no, it was a wood chipper. That's what. Oh, it which was. psych? Psych? They did a truck. That's what I'm, I'm right. thinking of a psych episode where they were trying okay. to solve a case, and his dad was trying to win the truck, yeah. and all these different stupid things. So, by the way, that's it. That's a great thing to do, man. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, that's legit. But hey, dude. So I just, um, I just want to throw out there that Mr. John Tibbs, we were talking about him, but he just texted us. He just us, texted man. us back. Like this he's guy, a cool, is, he's a he's, solid he's, bro. He is good. You need to go and. Listen to his music. And, and be one of his patrons because yeah. he, um, on his Instagram, he said that he's dropping stuff like crazy this year. Right. But the only way you're going to get it is if it's you're a patron. patron right. And then eventually you'll hit the, the the Spotify. So so go check out John Tibbs. Go check out Dudes and Dads. We'll be hanging out with them soon. And if you are a listener and you have your own podcast and you want me and Fuller on, let's, let's do, go. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Well, hey, let's jump into to today's conversation of faith and science. And this is a conversation that actually my teenagers were asking us to do for a long time. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, last summer, um, I didn't go to summer camp with them this year. My leaders killed it without me. Uh, g- killed it in a good way. They, they didn't kill it. They did awesome. They did awesome. For, for all of you non-Gen Zers. They, they were dope. They, they, they killed it. It was lit. It was lit, fam. But... Um, Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. He's a three-wing two. A don't three mind him. Don't, don't mind me. I'm just doing my thing. You know, whatever. So, uh, but my leaders killed it. They were awesome. But um, one of them came back, and they said that they had this opening. I see student ministries doing this all over the place, where it's kind of the idea of the first night of anything, right. you get real right off the bat. Ooh, so nice. they had, uh, I think they did stand-up, sit-down. Some people do glow sticks or okay. cell phones, stuff like that. And there'll be like a fun question where it's like, who's excited for camp? Stand up. And everyone goes, woo. 
And they're like, all right, let's get more real. How many of you guys um, come from a broken home? Stand up. How many of you guys aren't even sure if you believe what you say you believe? How many of wow. you guys? And it was just boom, boom, boom. And one of them was the fact of how many of you guys worry about science and that it's it's detrimental to your faith? Hmm. And uh, my leader said, you would have been shocked how many teens stood up. Wow. And And then when they talked to him more, it was one of those things where... They were like, yeah, I have my faith, and then I have my science, but I don't know how they're supposed to go together. Right. Because these teenagers, and, and I would say, you know, us adults too, we just don't talk about it as much because why would we talk about faith and science when we got bills to pay, you know, right. when we got kids to feed and diapers to change and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they, 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 they kind of pictured it almost like, or this is how I interpret it, is, is it's kind of like a house, you know, mm-hmm. and faith is in one room of the house, and science is in one other room of the house. And it's just like a house. You can only be in one room at a time. Right. So when they go into their faith room, well, you know, science, you know, it stays over there. And then when they walk into the science room, well, faith stays over there because, well, we have all these facts and, and evolution and, and, and billions and billions and billions of years. But then my faith says this. And so many people have said, nope, you got to put a wedge in between faith and science. Mm. So before we go in, do, do you kind of feel that was the way you grew up where faith and science couldn't really touch? I was homeschooled, <laughs> so faith and science touched daily. Touched daily? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, even in high school, um, you know, I was taking advanced college classes while I was in high school, um, advanced chemistry and anatomy, but I was doing that at uh, Andrews University College up in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And, uh, seven, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, right? Seventh-day Adventist. So even doing that, I mean, every time I've done science or studied science, it's always been in the light of creationism and mm-hmm. how it all works with our faith and um, how our faith and science, how science plays a big role in our faith. So that's kind of how I grew up. But again, I was homeschooled. So. And see, I was Christian schooled. Um, now, I don't exactly like how my Christian school handled it. Yeah. Um, in one sense, I will say this. My teacher... She was phenomenal, dude. Miss Miss A was awesome. Uh, she was young, um, and and she made us kind of. She set a very good platform for us to have to uh, do debate style, where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, you got the evolution side, you got the creation side, right? But I feel like what they didn't do, and what what, what we'll talk about tonight is there's only one way you can believe that science is real, and if not, you're not a Christian. You know what I mean? Like you have to believe that the Earth was created in six literal days, or you're you're really not a believer. See, all right, I want to stop you there. Uh oh, I I agree. And I agree with you. Really? It, most most people say that six days, literal days. But I mean, it says on the first day God did this, on the second day God did this, right? You mm-hmm. know, that's how Genesis starts. Right, off. definitely. But then later, and I don't remember what scripture it is, and maybe I'll find it here while while we discuss this, but. Uh, says and you may know because dude you're like you're like the encyclopedia of the bible no but uh no I'm so, not. you and soche i tell you what but it says a day is as a oh, thousand years Second un- peter see told you <laughs> day is a th- as a thousand years to learn and a thousand years is as a day so to me it's like you know it, is it literally six human days six uh you know cycles of the moon around the earth and we'll talk about it yeah so yeah it's going to be a good conversation you know it's i'm gonna hopefully learn because i'm on the opposite i'm like no you don't need to believe in a six literal day to be a christian right. could be so, a six thousand day i mean who know, i i'm not god i wasn't there i still i think someone can believe in evolution to be a christian Ooh. and we'll talk about that we'll get into Ooh, it but I first before we one. do that um let's let's at least transition into the conversation let's do it so um, in an article from the Barna Group, which if you don't know the Barna Group, they we use them all the time. Oh my goodness, dude! Like they are the the leading researchers in Christianity and faith and right. young people, and they they always talked about the emerging generation. So they moved on from millennials, and they're doing a lot of work with Gen Z, um, which I'm kind of both. But this article is no, written you back. Are, at, you are Gen Z. Okay, it's funny because we're both millennials, but you like are Gen Z, and I'm a boomer. That's so. true. <laughs> That's true. Um, but so this article came out in 2011, which when you think about it, was almost a decade ago. Yeah, it's nine So years. this is referring to millennials, and the title was called Six, Reason, Six Reasons Young Christians Leave Church. Now, let's just be honest. Now, this is about millennials, all right? right? So which is different than Gen Z, but I'll explain why here in a little bit of why that's, I think, actually okay 
and actually gives us a better insight of what's going on. So um, with those six reasons why young people leave the church, this was reason number three out of those six. Um, some of the other ones were what you would expect, but this one I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, reason number three states, churches come across as antagonistic towards science. Um, this next little paragraph is a direct quote. It says, One of the reasons young adults feel disconnected from church or from faith is the tension they feel between Christianity and science. The most common of these perceptions is in the area of Christians are too confident that they know all the answers. Now, this was 35%. Um, three out of 10 adults with a Christian background feel that, quote, churches are out of step with the scientific world we live in. That was 29%. Another one quarter embraced the perception that Christianity is anti-science. That was 25%. And nearly the same proportion, 23%, said they have been, quote, been turned off by the creation versus evolution debate. Furthermore, the research shows that many science-minded young Christians are struggling to find ways of staying faithful to their beliefs and to their professional calling in science-related industries. So, so I do want to note that, like I said, this article is written regarding millennials in the church, not Gen Z. And, you know, right now, this is kind of a fun fact. People give crap to millennials, and, like, they call teenage millennials. But millennials are actually in their mid to late 20s right now. Right. And we're about to hit 40, dude. I believe, I believe, and I I may be wrong. This was a while ago I researched it, but I believe it was that the millennial generation is 81 to 94 or 95. Like, if you were born in between those years, that's millennials. Everyone has a different end term. Like, I've read 96, I've read 94, I've read 97, 95. So somewhere in those that mid-90s. Right, exactly. In which which you're 80... I'm 89. I'm 91, so definitely I'm on that tail end of of millennials. Right. Um, That's why you're more Gen Z. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but today's generation, Gen Z, is not talked about in this little section. But but here's the deal, okay? So, if these stats are true about millennials back then, the question is, is how much more is it about Gen Z? And I know that's not a definitive scientific observed or reason, but I guess for me, being a youth pastor and I work with Gen Z. I know how much of a tension and struggle it is, right? Especially as more and more kids are going into public schools because Christian schools are closing down left and right, or public becoming schools more are, expensive, or exactly. Right. And 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 that's a different conversation. That would be a fun conversation. Ooh, yeah. Public school, homeschool, Christian school, and bring some people in here who agree with our. Yeah, that'd be a fun conversation. Bend down all of the avenues, but but at the end of the day, I mean, we can be sure that Gen Z probably is in the exact same category as millennials were ten years ago, right. or. It could be even worse that they're struggling with it even more, which is is more likely probably the case, right? Because public school nowadays is so much more antagonistic towards faith. Well, and I think you, you know? mentioned it in a in a previous podcast that most of Gen Z uh, may have not. I, th- I forget your stats on it, but have not heard the gospel message or don't even know who Jesus is. I oh, think it's is because what, we're in a post Christian. That's nation. it. That's right. So, I mean, it could. Totally makes sense that that's why. But I will say this. This is what I've actually found super cool about Gen Z. This is not from me. This is from from somewhere else. Um, but uh, the state of Gen Z today, this is off the cup. I just pulled this up, so it's not in my show notes. But it says 35% of the youth in the U.S., Gen Z, believe that the church is irrelevant and hypoc- uh, hypocritical. 60% end up walking away. And 75% of U.S. Christian teens read the Bible only once a month or less. Wow. So it's the fact of Christ, Christian teens are more and more and more not holding on to their faith as everything. But there's, as school pushes science down, there's a big they want disconnect. more. But Gen Z is cool because they don't want information. They don't want easy answers. They actually want conversations, and they want tough answers, even if they don't agree with them. They want the tough answers and the firm, actual foundation for that. Right. Um, but, you know, at the at the end of the day, public education no longer has conversations about different ideas regarding faith and science. And they claim that because we have science, we no longer need faith. And, and here's the question that, that I was kind of thinking of is, well, how do we get to that point where it, it, it was a struggle, where it was a battle? Why can't we have both? Um, you know, many people have always viewed life kind of on a spectrum. Um, I, I don't right. remember where I heard this from. I, I heard this from some somebody else. Um, and there's the explainable and the unexplainable. And, you know, what could be explained was deemed science, and what couldn't be explained was deemed faith. And as our understanding of the universe has grown, we need less faith. 
because we now know why things do what they do. Well, we think like, we it, do. like well, like even our health. <laughs> like you know, at the end of the day, doctors can do things, but our bodies still need to operate in such a way where because right. the doctor actually mutilates you when you get when you have surgery. Your bo- body has to still repair itself. Right. But at the end of the day, back then, I mean, you know, with George Washington. Bloodletting. We, yeah, like that's re- that's ridiculous. Like, you have a cold, we're gonna just cut you open and let some blood and drain. Let some out. blood drain. Where in reality, it's like, no, you need as much. Blo- like you need right. a, you need more blood in your body. Right. So like, but we understand that more. So right. healing is less faith and miraculous. It's now more observational, and we we kind of understand it. And that's that's just the way scientists view things. Is they say we need less faith because we understand more and more yes, and more that, and more I, and more. I agree. That's the way scientists. And, and, and keyword there, scientists. Right. And, and let's it. be honest. Scientists even say we don't always know why. Like, why does the Earth actually spin on an axis versus just stay still? We know right. that it does. We know. We know that we it know makes an orbit around the it. sun. We know it's we, not yeah. flat. You ding dong flat Earth people. But at at the end of the day, <laughs> we don't always know why. But we can answer tons of hows and whats, which um, has caused many people to believe that science. Um, that since science keeps pushing faith out of the spectrum, we don't need faith anymore. And in fact, the more science we do and one does, the more it will guarantee that a person will become an atheist. And and I get that idea from Richard Dawkins, and he said that science is a superhighway to atheism. Quote, science is a superhighway to atheism. In other words, the more science you do, the more it will prove that there is not a God. And so teenagers, young adults... Christians are hearing this, right? and now we're stuck with the question of, okay, so if scientists are saying the more science I believe, the more likely I'm to be an atheist. Well, I, I believe that there's a God, but how how does this work? So here's the question is, what do we do, bro? <laughs> what, what do we do as Christians? What do we do? Well, I, I, <clears throat> I think that the study of how things work think we're made to be curious like that. I think that's a good thing. I I don't think science is a bad thing. Now, you have to remember that most of science are hypotheses. Mm. They're thoughts. I think this is how it works, but nobody really understands fully. Like even even if you look at the genetic code, they're still learning new things every year right. about our genetic code, but their hypothesis is, you know, certain things that there's an X X and X chromosome or X and Y. No, we we have proof of that. Right, but that, so there's that, but they don't know other things about our genetic, that's just an example. The the origins of that. Right, and how it's it's really decided in the body, you know, which chromosomes go and and create you to be male, female. Right, and and we know that when, you know, a female egg meets male sperm, sorry if you're awkward homeschool that was really weird but when they meet yes they take dna from mom and dad and rna right. and the same and the proteins from dad and they shove it together and makes a whole right. new thing like right. we but what we can that, watch you know? it but yeah how do we know what right and, and we know okay there's dominant traits and right so and, whatever or like why does the mother have brown eyes and the father have blue eyes but the baby has green eyes right you know how does that happen you know you would think that oh well it's coming from both they would have one or the other but and, and we can see. I mean, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of points in science that have been, but proven, we don't know why. But we, exactly, yeah, right? Like, like we know that it does. We right. know how to read that code, but right. we can't always explain why. But a lot of scientists will say, "Is okay, we have evidence for X, Y, Z, double A, double B, double C. Right. So therefore, we can assume that all of these other things will go. And that's what a lot of scientists right. do. Um, but the the same sciences that are going on today. You have to remember that the scientists back in the 1800s thought the same way with the bloodletting. You know, they thought this is the way to get rid of an infection. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously blood draining out. You know, this this happens, this happens, this is why. So I'm assuming this is how to do it. And there's know? scientific research all over the place, man. Oh, there's yeah. all over the place. Right. But anyways, let's continue. But yeah, on. rather than we go into this, let's 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 take it from the Christian side, bro. So where it's like, okay, us as Christians, right? Those who are not believers this conversation does not go on that side of the fence. Like, we'll talk about it, but this is more of a Christian's response to, to, to science, not a scientist's response to faith. Now, right. hopefully, if someone here doesn't follow God and they're ex- curious about it, they'll hear our conversation, and maybe they'll prod them to go do it. Right. Um, but I want to start with it there. Um, and so the question is, is what options do we have regarding this whole conversation? Um, I, I kind of, this was not a mark write down. This is from our, our friends at gotquestions.org, one of the best websites ever. 
Um, sponsorship would be dope, by the way. Um, they said in one of their articles, it says, the options to solve this apparent conflict are as follows. A Christian can either believe that A, the Bible's wrong, B, the Bible is being interpreted incorrectly, or C, the scientific data is being interpreted correctly. So you can believe, okay, the science is just wrong, throw it out. We can read that, okay, so the Bible is subserving it to science and that the Bible must be wrong in some things, or science that we have is interpreted incorrectly. So so how do we handle this? Um, going into the conversation, though, I, I do want to say this, Fuller, we're not scientists, bro. No, like we're close. we're just normal people doing normal things, so we're not going to wow you with right. If you you're know. looking for scientific this or that, we're probably not the dudes to talk to. No, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of stuff out there. But there's a lot of content out there with AnswersInGenesis.org. Right. Um. That's we'll talk about this. That's Young Earth. There's even a great Old Earth website. Right. There's also one that's for theistic evolution. Like I've explored all we, these different websites. What we want to do is get you thinking. Yep. Get you thinking and, and go find the answer for yourself. Yep, definitely. So here are three ground rules that, that I think we need to establish regarding the Bible and science and faith and science. Oh, boy. Number one, here we go, is the Bible is not a science book, nor does it claim to be. Right. Ground rule number one, the Bible is not a science book, nor does it claim to be. So what is the Bible? The Bible, now, this is kind of fun. I, we're not going to go into this, but I made the kids read the Westminster Confession for this <laughs> to oh, see what is the Bible and who is God and how does it right. all work. But at the end of the day, the Bible simply tells us who made the world, why this creator created, and what the purpose of his creation is. Right. So the Bible simply tells us who created it, God. It tells us why he did for his own glory and what the purpose of his creation is, and that's to... Be his, <laughs> well, it's be his image bearers, right? Right. Which, this is hilarious. If you ask ask one of my teenagers, on not the seventh graders, they won't answer this, but one of the seniors say, hey, so what's what does it mean to be made in the image of God? It means to rule the earth and have babies, because that was the Genesis man of days. Go fill the earth and right. you know have dominion over creation. So it's, that's kind of a fun one. Um, now, I will say this, though. So Hugh Ross, he's an astrophysicist, and he's an old earth creationist. We'll get into that. He said that there's actually two books that we can live by, the book of Scripture and the book of nature. And we need to study both in order to understand God's world. And I do kind of like that right. because the Bible says, you know, even creation declares the glory of God. No right. man is without excuse because of nature. So we can't just throw away that, you know, we can learn more about God through his creation. Right. But we have to understand of, at the end of the day, the Bible's not a science book at all. It doesn't the, claim to be. The Bible is a love letter to the church. It's exactly what, what it is, it is you know? So. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a letter to God's people to show his faithfulness in the show history. Show who of, he is. And that, to and, help us and get to know purpose. him. Now, are there science things in there? Of course. Of course. Is there history facts in there? Of course. Right. Is there, you know, things we need to live by? Of course. That's what the Bible is. Right. Um, but this is then point two, is that although the science is not... Oh, sorry. Back up. Although the Bible is not a science book, it tells us how we can get an orderly world by which we do science. So it says that a all-perfect, all-powerful God created this world. He did it well. He's a God of order. He's a God of decency. Mm -hmm. He created a foundation by which we can study science. Because in order to do science, you have to have controlled environments and you have to have repeatable effects. So before right. we can actually say this is scientific proof, it needs to be repeatable. Right. It has to be. And you need a some sort of ground level by which to, it to be repeated. It can't mm -hmm. just be these random things in order to do science. We actually have to have order and, here's the fancy word, intelligent design behind our world and universe. random things like millions of atoms rubbing together and a Big Bang happening? Well, I, I believe in the Big Bang. God said it, and bang! Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the way, the way Larry the Cucumber put it. God went, and there it was. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Where's it's God? It's been so long, Where's God bro. when I'm scared? Go check it out. VeggieTales. <laughs> Throw back. Um, and then here's the, the last thing, and I think this is the biggest one that, that people need to understand, is that there's a difference between historical science or origin science, where we came from, and observational science. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between what we can see, feel, touch, hear, and, oh, there's five senses. Smell. Smell, there you go. Yeah, those five senses. What we can do those five senses is completely different than historical science. Because historical science, at the end of the day, no one was there. No one was there when the world started. 
Right. No questions asked. No one was there. Now, someone is there. Whether you're an evolutionist or a creationist, no right. one was there. Like, if you want to test how big the Eiffel Tower is comparison to the Empire State Building, you can do that because right. they're in front of us. Yep. We can check out photosynthesis because plants are in front of us. Right. However, how the world came to be, science can't tell you how that got there. So here's the question then is, how do we view how God created the earth? Like as Christians, what, how, how, how like there's, I know there's different views out there. Right. But if, if, um, if the Bible's not a science book. Right. But it tells us that our world is orderly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the book of nature. And there's a difference between historical science and observational science. How do these two coincide then? Right. Now, just real quick, when he's talking about the book of nature, there's not actually a book of nature. It's nature around us is what he's referring to. It's a clever clever term. Right. I just want to make sure that that's clear that people aren't like, man, what the heck is this book of nature? And start Googling this stuff. There's not an actual book. So, so Fuller, what do you think about those three thoughts, bro? That the Bible is not a science book and all the other things. I I would agree with that. I would agree it's not a science book. It's a love letter. It's a it's a it's a way that God shows his love and faithfulness to his people and and his, who he is. So when you see things in the Bible like creation or the heavens declare the glory of God or even facts, numbers, statistics, all those different things, mm-hmm. are we supposed to interpret that literally? Are we supposed to interpret it as people would have seen it as poetry? What are we supposed to do with it? All of the above. <laughs> Dang it, bro. Come on. I mean, you can look at it historically of, uh, you know, I think of the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. because we're talking about, you know, scientists. And I'm thinking, oh, these people, they must have been pretty smart if they were building a tower to the heavens. You know, they can't be stupid doing that. Right. Uh, and if God had to confuse them, you know, so that to me, that's a historical event that happened. And why did it happen? And, you know, it kind of tells the story of, of how so many nations in the world became Came to be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, it could be that, um, it could be a, a love book. You know, I, I know cover your ears, teens, the song of Solomon. That's a whole book on, that's on a relationship. Nasty. Yeah. That's nasty. <laughs> King Solomon and his, one of his wives. I mean, that's, it's all, that's what the whole book's about. So, but it correlates to how, uh, Christ loves the church in, in the, a little way. I mean, you can kind of <laughs> see it, but yeah, there's there's some truth in that. So, so for the rest of this conversation, um, I'm going to try to be sciencey. Yes, I will. No, what what well, we're going to we're going to go with the 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 foundation that there is a creator. We're we're going to have that as our baseline of God did create everything. Well, I mean, we're Christians. That's kind of exactly. like the staple. <laughs> we're a real talk Christian podcast. Now, I will put this on Facebook, and I'll also put this in the show notes. There's an amazing video from PragerU. With Eric Metaxas, I think it's met, uh, he wrote the Bonhoeffer and Martin Luther biography. Super genius guy, um, and he explains why the Earth is so finely tuned that it actually takes more faith to be an atheist or believe in evolution than it does to be a Christian. Um, so I'll post that show notes because that's the right. argument of who created the world, a god or, or not. Um, but we're gonna st- operate. We're gonna we're, we're gonna operate on the baseline of God created the Earth. Right. Um, so there's tons of ways that that Christians or people who claim to be Christians have actually viewed the creation of the entire world. Um, and there's kind of four main views that can be put into, and there's other subcategories that we can go into. Um, but the, there's four main views of how God created the earth. The, the, the first way is the young earth creationist, mm-hmm. which um, gotquestions.org is that Ken Ham is probably the most famous young earth creationist of our time yep. right now with right. the Ark Encounter and also Answers in Genesis. Um, but the young earth, which basic- by the way, is pretty cool. The, from what I've heard is the, the See, I haven't been yet. I've, I haven't I either, but I've watched a ton of videos and I know people that have gone and they're like, dude, you have to go. It's amazing. So that, and, and I want to go. It's super cool. And if you want to know more about observational and historical science, watch Ken Ham's videos. He's right. brilliant with that. The next one is old earth. And that's basically the fact of they might not fully believe in evolution, but just that creation took a very long time. The fact of, long story you know what i'll just i'll just read this quote is old earth creationism is an umbrella term used to describe biblical creationists who deny that the universe was created within the last six thousand to ten thousand years which i 
I'm on the category of more 10,000 years, over the course of six consecutive 24-hour days. Rather, old Earth creationists believe that God created the universe and its inhabitants, which that includes Adam and Eve, over a much longer period of time than is allowed for by young Earth creationists. The list of notable Christian leaders who were at least open to an old world interpretation is a long one, and that list continues to grow. Now, all this is a direct quote from, again, gotquestions.org. This list includes men such as Walter Kaiser, which I have his books, Norman Geisler, I have his systematic theologies, William Densky, he's just brilliant, J.I. Packer, I actually have a lot of stuff from him too, J.P. Moreland, Philip E. Johnson, B.B. Um, Warfield, which is a big, big, big flagship Southern Baptist guy. No, no was he Southern Baptist? I don't remember if he was or not, but he started yeah, Princeton. B.B. Warfield, I think, is the guy that started Princeton. Um, and Chuck Colson, um, I think I already said Philip Johnson and J.P. Moreland, as well as the late, and I love this guy, Francis Schaefer, um, and Old Testament scholar Gleason Archer. So basically it's the fact of old earth took a very, very, very long time, but God still created it, just not in the exact time frame that we believe it to happen. There's different categories in there. The third one is called theistic evolution, and basically the fact that God used evolution to be the means by which all things were created. So God is still the creator. He just, he, he, the process wasn't just, he said it, bam, there's this. It's, no, evolution was the process by which it grew. And then the last one, which is, I just learned about this, like, within the last week. Okay. Um, and I don't know this one fully yet. Well, like, Soche knows it better than I did because he used to believe this one more. And Augustine, um, St. Augustine, one of the great church fathers, believed this. And it's called the framework hypothesis. Okay. In other words, it was the fact of he was he was still kind of more old earth. He goes, I don't know how on earth this could be done in just seven days. It doesn't make sense. But Genesis 1, we need to take it literally, but it, it creates just a framework. The fact of, oh, well, God made all these different things. Exactly how the days worked. I don't know, but we see God creating just the earth, the physical side. And then we see God creating, like, like that includes the plants and the grass and the waters and the light and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's God oh, creates the universe and then the earth and then people, animals and that kind of stuff. So it's more the fact of even if it's not necessarily six little days or long days, it's just a framework by which we can mentally understand how it was written. Right. Those, those are kind of the four main ideas, I guess, the four main views of how the entire Earth was created. Young Earth, Old Earth, Theistic Evolution, and Framework Hypothesis. Um, now, at the end of the day, there's problems with all these theories because we weren't there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's kind of just what it is. <clears throat> I want to uh, I want to speak on the... Um, so I'm more of a Young Earth guy you know you said you're more, more of more of you said that you know we had this conversation you know, I, I said it in the yeah we chat podcast. a little bit so you know it could be you know six thousand years could be six days but then i was sitting here reading genesis one and i'm going to start in verse 14 okay okay yep just throw this out here and then we could talk and i know you know so we're, we've agreed that god created the heavens and the earth that's what we agreed on that's the right. baseline so this is just going to support and we can discuss it, a little bit of a, of the young earth. So it says in verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be, a, or be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be the lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, he made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and govern the day and the night and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and then there was morning, a fourth day. This comes from the New American Standard Bible, by the way, too. So if I go in, <clears throat> you know me, I'm a King James guy. So when I go in and read it through the King, King James Jim-A. on uh, verse 17, I will love it. Uh, verse 19. Uh, so we just kind of read through verse 19 out of the New American Standard. But the the uh, King James says it like this, and they, on verse 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So if you're separating it by the two lights, right, the way it reads out, that mm-hmm. you got the sun in the day, moon at the light, and, and those the two are at night, and the two those two lights separate and and are for days and seasons, right? That's right. what that's what the Bible says, and then. Uh, 
the evening and the morning, verse 19, were the fourth day. So to me, you know, I know originally I had said uh, that it could be, you know, a day is a thousand years to the Lord, and you know, the from Second Peter. Second, yeah. So I believe it's Second Peter. Well, that's what you told me, so that's what I'm going. That's we're going with. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so I was, you know, as you were talking, I was like, you know what, I should probably read a little bit on on what that was because it just came to my mind. And I think I'm changing my stance from what I said in the beginning of the podcast. I think that God created two different lights, day and night, the bright sun and the glow of the moon. And he says in verse 19 that the evening and the morning was the fourth day. (laughs) It's pretty clear. I mean, so if we go for like an old earth type of mentality where it could have been done over a long period of time, uh, that means, say, we'll, we'll put the thousand years in from that scripture, which we think is in Second Peter. <laughs> yep, uh, means the the sun and the is the sun will be up for five hundred years, and then the moon would be up for five hundred years straight, and that would be the fourth day. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. So I did check. It's Second Peter three eight. You are the man. There you go. I was going to look it up, and then I forgot about it. So. so so let me push back on that a little bit, though. All okay, right, let's go. So I will say this. Real I, talk. Now, I, I am a young Earth creationist, but I'm also a mature Earth creationist. So the fact that— this is where you and I agreed uh, before the podcast. Right. So I believe that when God created the world, it was already mature. He didn't create little saplings, right. and they took them thousands and, of years. It was the fact of when God made a tree, it was probably already, in our the way we would view it, right. hundreds of years old. Now, when God made lights and the stars— um, it's the basic idea of like, yeah, okay, they take a bazillion trillion light years away, whatever right. number they want to well, use. And, I, but but when God created it and everything, it already was. So if if it started at nothing, it would take that long to travel. But since God created it and sustained it and put everything in this place that it needed to, it was already there. You right. know what I mean? Like, no, like yeah. what we see and now I, is how God crea- I created break it. it. You I want to break mean? it down uh, to something we had talked about to make it help me understand just in case some of our and then I'm gonna, still... And then I'm going to push back on, on the younger, because there's some things that I, I am okay. I am so, struggling with. So what, what you're saying, and for our listeners, is that when God created Adam and Eve, he did not make them infants. No. He made them man and woman. And so apparently that, that's they both what, look pretty good because you know, <laughs> well they're the only two on the face of the earth so yeah <laughs> I mean well there's some beautiful people us truly so we had to come from someone better looking than us um, but so what Mark is trying to say is that like the earth was already fully developed yeah. as God created it the waters the fish the trees the animals they were adults you made the funny comment was it the chicken or the egg first it obviously was the, chicken. the chicken so um, it wasn't. What Mark's trying to say is it, it things were created, but they weren't created at like infant stage. They were created at a mature adult stage or young youth stage or whatever it may have been, but we don't know because it doesn't spell it out. That way, the only thing we can look at is God created man in his image and called him Adam. Yep, so so here's two two pushbacks I got, though. All right, so one, this is kind of funny because I'm in a, a youth pastor Facebook group and someone was like, hey, what's a fun question for a conversation? And the person was like, in Genesis, how did God create light before the sun was even created? And I said, now that's actually a crazy fun conversation. So the guy's like, what's your answer? And I'm about to drive, listen to the podcast. But, (laughs) but so that is one question that a lot of people have is how could there be light and darkness, but no sun? And then if that's the case, if the sun and the moon is by which we get our days, how could there even be a day without the sun? Um, so some people will say that, you know, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Boom, that was it. Or um, now the earth was formless and empty. So some old earth creationists, um, the gap theory, I thought this was was interesting. Um, so I'm going to push back for these two old earth theories. One is day right. age, which basically is a fact of it still took millions of years. It's just the simple fact of God still created everything. It just it didn't happen as fast as what we thought. Then there's the gap theory, which states that it's a view that God created a fully functional Earth with all the animals, including all dinosaurs and other creatures that we know from the fossil record. Um, then the theory goes, something happened to destroy the Earth completely, ready? most likely the fall of Satan to Earth, so that the planet became without form or void. At this point, God started all over again, recreating the Earth in his paradise, um, form as further described in Genesis. In other words, that the earth was created and the fossil record was part of God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. 
So it's the fact of it. That, that's the most like illogical conclusion ever. But that's what some people do. Um, the fact that they're separate. But it says that God says, "Let there be light." So how was there light without the sun? Um, and then where did that light come from? And how could we track the days? And then this is what I thought was interesting too. Is um, going to chapter two. It says, "So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed." That was day six, right? On the seventh day, though, God what? God rested. Right. Seventh day is God rested on the seventh day from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work on creation. On day seven is the only day where it does not say evening and morning were the first day. Right. In other words, us us people right now, we're still living in, in day seven creation, where God rested from his creation, and now it's our job as humans to be his image bearers in the earth. So what a lot of old earth creationists will say is, you know, how do we handle the light before the sun? But then chapter two, where it doesn't give us an evening in the morning, we're the first day. We're still living in day seven. So if we're still living in day seven, and it's been from the Genesis and Matthew records and all these different generations, six to 10,000 years or whatever. If that was 10,000 years, what about all the other days? Do you get what I'm saying? Break it down for me. I'm an old man. Okay, so day seven <laughs> does not mention evening and morning. Yep, it just uh, says yeah, day seven was day that. seven. Right. So we've been living in day seven for the last 10,000 years, right? Because we're still living in the part where God rested. The new creation has not been created, all these different things. So if day seven doesn't have an evening and morning were the days, all the other days, could they not have been millions and billions of years? And then for our understanding about how the world works and how we should be resting, isn't that just simply a picture of what we are always called to do, where, you know, the seventh day became Sabbath, but at the end of the day, we're supposed to rest in God every single day. Um, because, and, and, and I'll, I can push back on that, but that's what a lot of old with creationists will say. Y- yes, but you have to look at, um, the precedent that was set before that. Um, Trying to think of how about how to. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have just like sucked on my teeth. <laughs> Get that coffee. Sorry, that's off. my thinking. Uh, that's my thinking going on there. The, grind, the gears are grinding. But, but, but does uh, that make sense? I, I get what you're saying, but the precedence was set beforehand of what a day was. He had done it in the previous six days. This is a day. This is a day. This is, and then he says on the seventh day. So he already set the precedence of what a day was. He already l- laid that out. So to think that that day is a different day, and who knows? I mean, the we don't always get the best translations. You know, we try to get the most close translations right. we can, yep. but we don't know because we don't. I don't read Hebrew, and I don't know if you do. And who knows nope. if? Now I will say it's the the, the word that is. we see for day in the Genesis creation right. is the Hebrew word for day. Right. <laughs> right. No, quite, like people will say, there's different words for days, which. Right. I will say Second Peter three eight the 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 old earth people who use that phrase right. that's talking about being in God's presence that has nothing to do right. with creation in right. fact we can't even apply that's, that that's bad biblical hermeneutics to apply right. that to the creation account yeah I, I was just reading over you know Genesis two one where you know what you were just talking about mm-hmm. um, and yeah to me it, it talks about in verse four that this is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Uh, well, it, it goes on from there. Yes. Uh, CSB says at the time. So these are the records of heaven and earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord made the, the earth and the heavens. Well, I wanted to read from the NASB because it's more of a word-for-word literal translation. Yep. And so that's I, because I am not a Hebrew language expert, I wanted to read the most Okay, closest so word for word. This is could. what it literally means. It means literally, it means creation on the day. Right. So it's still saying when when God created this on the day, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, no plant. Right. Um, and there was no man to do it. But the mist came up out of the ground, the earth and the water all the ground. Then the Lord formed the man. So I guess, well, okay, so maybe my idea of the mature earth, let's back this up, because it says no shrub on the field has yet grown, and no plant in the field had yet sprouted. So maybe my mature earth theory is not even correct. So let's right. back that up, and maybe I need to do some more research into that. Well, so yeah, and I wanna... I'm admitting that I was probably wrong, because man was formed before plants were 
there. Right. And I, I apologize, I, listeners. No, see, this is this is real talk. We're going through and we're fleshing this out, and hopefully our listeners are sticking with us. But I want to go back to Genesis 1 and start in verse 2, where it says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. One day. One day. So you, you think about light and dark, how, how the moon rotates, how the earth rotates, the way it is, the way it's been, and he's calling that one day. So for me, it's seven literal days. And then, and like I said, I thought differently too until we started digging into the to the scripture here. So, and and at the end of the day, this is where it gets challenging, I guess. Because on the one sense, I'm like, okay, if you're a Christian who believes that God is all powerful, Almighty, why would it take a billion trillion years? Yeah, when you could just and at like, the end of the day, even... did and that's the other question that some people ask is that you know. Another argument for this is just poetic and all these different ideas. It's just a creation story, not the actual little thing. Right. Is why does God need to do each thing in 24-hour days? Because at the end of the day, God could just go like Thanos, and it's just, just the opposite happens. People right. don't go away. Things show up. You know what I mean? Because God spoke, and we read in Isaiah, or, or I think it's Isaiah, where let God me, stretched out the let, firmament. Let me answer this, okay? Okay. So... God lives outside of time. Correct. God was creating time. Correct. Just because God created time as 24 hours doesn't mean he lives in that 24 hours. He lives outside of it. Okay, so what does so that for mean him, for us? He's, he's creating this, and it's 24 hours, the, the evening, and the, so it's a day. He created the day. There, Which the, he's outside of time, so out, he can't. Out, he's the creator it, of the, it. The universe has time, right? right. We yep. think of millions of light years, which is a... A form of time away, stars are right. You know, so there, the whole universe is based on the concept of time, but God lives outside of it. So He could have been just doing the Thanos, and okay, that's a day, but He lives outside of that. So we can't judge the time of God, how long it took God to do something, because He, you can't, you can't put God on a timeline. That's a whole different conversation. I don't think a lot of people have right. Because if God create, and so the question is, God created within twenty four hours. You're saying might not even that's not that's not the right way to look at it. God it's created the fact that 20, God created the twenty four hours, right? Exactly. And then He created again. Then He created the, the next twenty four hours. Right. And the next twenty four hours. Right. Exactly. Ooh, I like that. So that that's the way I think I view it, because I, I am a very strong believer that God lives outside of time and God created time. So uh, that's why God has always been and always will be, because there is no time for God. Because God, and that's the same idea with even. People want to argue, is, is God a man or God a woman? Well, God is neither. God is God. God is God, and, and God, <laughs> God created, created man and woman. <laughs> so so what I'm hearing both of us say is the fact of we... Now, we're not scientists. Let's just say that. Right. Um, now, there are a lot of scientists who believe in young earth. There's a lot of scientists who believe in old earth. Um, now, I will say this. Um, I want to get to theistic evolution real quick and, and just touch on that. All right, let's do but it. This is, but before I get to that, this is where I want to say where I think people can be young earth or old earth creationists and still be Christians, because what is what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, that you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. And believe in six literal days, right? No, I don't see that anywhere. But. Exactly. So it's so a lot of people will want to get mad at old earth creations, like, oh, you're not a true Christian, and you have to be a Christian. And, and like, no, you can believe in day age. You can believe right. in old earth, but that's not a salvation issue. Right. Now, I, Ken Ham, I do like what he says. It's an authority issue of the authority of God's Word. Right. And if we can't believe the actual first chapter of the Bible... How can we believe? Then we're going to call, probably in call into question. It. Yeah, but it, but at the same time, if we believe God's outside of time and it looks like it took billions of years from our point of view, that doesn't change what the gospel is because God's still outside of it. Correct. And so, at the end of the day, both of these people believe that they're that God created everything, and right. God is the creator. He's the sustainer. The Bible is the authoritative word. Like. Um, the interpret earlier. The Hugh, interpretations Hugh are Hugh Ross, right? Hugh Ross is actually a defender of the Bible, like you wouldn't believe. Right? Like he believes that it is inerrant, it is inspired. There is nothing wrong in it. It's just the interpretation of what we read inside exactly. of it that that does change it. Now, right. the one thing I have a problem with is theistic evolution, and here's why: 
Long story short, theistic evolution believes that just like we see in the creation record, we started from something little. God, God's the one who activated everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually can I can I go on a, like a, a pet peeve of mine go is when it. creationists are like, oh, what? So God created a fish and then it became a bicycle and then it became a vi-. no, or like, oh, so God created a fish and then it became an ape and then it became a man. It's like no. That's not how people believe evolution actually works. This sounds bad, but when I tested for biology for college, I passed the evolution one with flying colors. Like, I missed one question out of, like, 100. Um, So I actually... (laughs) That's why I understand evolution a lot. That's why I don't believe it. Um, But at the end of the day, it's the fact of God used evolution to start with little, and then as more oxygen entered the atmosphere, animals became bigger, they became bigger, they became bigger, and then eventually man came out of that. But the problem I have with theistic evolution is twofold. One is if man's created in God's image and we came from animals that were not created in God's image, where did that transition take place? And why are we any different than animals if we're the ones made in God's image and there's not? Right. And then on the flip side, which is the same problem with the gap theory and a lot of other ideas, is there had to be death then before the fall. And the Bible says, is why is there death in the world? There's, there's a third thing with that too. Okay. So if you're reading in Genesis 1, after each day, God said it was good. It was good. And does so what you're saying is by the evolutionary process of you know, you're a atom, then you're a molecule, then you're so on and so forth. Right, over billions and billions of years. Right. What you're saying is God created something that was not yet at its perfect state that it had to evolve to get to the perfect state of being in his image. No, when God says something's good, it's perfect. <laughs> and I will say this: um, Wayne Grudem on Crossways. I, I'll put this in the show notes too. Right. On Crossways website, said, "Here's twelve problems that you have to overcome in order to believe in theistic evolution." Mm-hmm. And one was the fact of God did not even create Adam and Eve. Mm. Like He didn't make him out of the dust. He didn't make man in His image, which we talked about. Right. Um, so people who believe in theistic evolution. That's now all of a sudden, okay, okay, so if Jesus died our death, you know, there's the, it, it, it destroys the gospel because now all of a sudden we have the imperfect Adam. We read this in Romans, the right. imperfect Adam and then the, perf- the, per- the perfect Adam. Jesus perfect. was the perfect the, the Adam. The first and second Adam. The first and second Adam. And so we wouldn't even have that right. if, if there was theistic evolution involved. Right. So at, can someone still be an evolution, believe in evolution and be theistic evolutionists and still believe the gospel? My answer is like, well, yeah, they can. But it, my other thought would be is, is that a juvenile understanding well, of the here, Bible? Here's, you know? here's my thing. If, you're, if you think that you have to be a creationist to be saved, right? Right. You're saying that you have the answers, all the answers, which would make you perfect, mm-hmm. which we're not. Correct. So I have an issue with that. And we, we don't understand how God works. Likewise, if you're an evolutionist and you're Christian and you're not seeking truth, you're just believing whatever you half-learned, and I call it half-learned, but you half-learned in the past and not seeking it out for yourself for the answers. Evolution has... I have a lot of issues with evolution because it displaces a almighty God mm. and a perfect God. And it makes it seem like he has to use other things or do other things and he can't just Thanos it and snap his fingers and things be done, which kind of degrades the power of God. And that's the issue I have with evolution and some of these other theories. So, And the biggest issue I have with evolution is we there's still missing links, right? Like it's, it's actually, it's evolution is actually a very logical system. But there's no proof to, to a logical, to, you know, to a point. It's a logical system. It's, just because something but, is logical doesn't mean it's correct. But here's you know the thing, I mean? I, and I always use this when I talk to evolutionists. This is this is what I start with. I said I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a leg up here. I'm gonna give you a a bag full of watch parts and put them in a in a paper bag or plastic whatever you want to use and shake them for a million years. Are they gonna become a Rolex? Probably the the chances of that are the chances are ridiculous. It actually probably if you're shaking them for that long, they're probably going to wear out because things break down. Iner- uh, is that is that inertia? Uh, no, inertia is an object motion stage in right, motion. Exactly, it's, it's yeah. another one of Newton's laws. Right, I, I can't remember which one it is, but and the Earth is actually we're slowing down. Like the Earth we are is actually the, down. the sun is slowly burning out. 
Okay. Or this this is something down. that I got from it. I believe, and I'll have to look it up. His name was Lawrence Tisdale, I believe. He's a creationist. Um, he he used to back in the '90s do a lot of stuff with Ken Ham, but um, he actually based on the scientific evidence of how slowly the sun is burning out, if we were to back it up more than 10,000 years, uh, we would all be dead because the earth would be consumed by the sun. So at the rate at which it's burning out. At the rate of which it's burning out now that we've tracked over the past however many years since we've had the Hubble telescope and all this technology to be able to do it, the sun would actually overtake us and there would be no Mercury, no Venus, no Mars, no Earth. Hmm. We, we, it would actually surpass Mars is how big the sun would have been. We would have burned up. Definitely. So that's kind of where the, the young Earth creationists are getting – they're doing some scientific research too. But uh, And that's it. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, this might be where we land the plane is because this is – let's be honest, this was not a – we're not scientists. I'm not going to nope. try to be. I'm not going to go into the arguments of the Ice Age and the floods and all these different things. It's more just a simple fact of faith and science can live hand in hand, flat out. I mean, right. some people do it where it's the fact of, okay, we take all the science and the Bible at the same time and let's, let's, let's have them together. There's Young Earth, which is more like let's start at the Bible and then have all scientific research funnel through the scriptures. And then there's theistic evolution. And at the end of the day, it goes back to your presuppositions of what do you believe before going in? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if we're Christians, God should be our presupposition to, to understanding everything. Right. Um, but science does help us to understand who God is. In fact, it should make us more in awe. Right. It should, I exactly. mean, and so let's 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 end it with that thought. Right. Is the simple fact of even though you might be a young earth, you might be an old earth creationist, or you might be a, a loony guy and believe in theistic evolution. Um, or evolution period. Or evolution period. Right. At the end of the day, does science lead you to atheism? Well, no. It should actually lead you into more awe of, holy crap, this is amazing. Right. How, how, how on earth does this even get there? It has to be a a, a master designer right. in order to do this because we would never be able to figure out how to do this. It's the same in our world where we look right. at things and like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Who created that? And it's funny that we do all this research in our world and we think we're so smart. And we haven't even touched the vast of the universe. Not at all. We have no clue what's out there. Not at all. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can believe about science and faith and how these things go together. Um, but as Christians, our faith, our, our house should be built on faith and science be included in that house, not in separate rooms. Right. Because your faith should... You should have the worldview and the lens through Scripture. You should have the the Christian worldview through everything that you see and right. sense and smell and hear and all and, and, and all these different things. And at the end of the day, whether you're a young Earth creationist or an old Earth creationist, at the end of the day, I think both would flat out say, "Of man, how great is our God, dude? Right, that exactly. He would create all of this." Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is probably where we probably should land the plane. We've been going for a little bit, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, just the start of the conversation. Right. But if you guys want to know more about all the various views, here's three websites I'm going to give to you. All right. They'll be in the show notes too. The first one is answersandgenesis.org. Um, now I will say this. Um, I watched the conversation between Ken Ham and Hugh Ross, and I'll mention his website in a bit. Ken Ham's a bit of a, he's aggressive. He's aggressive and he's. I'll just say this. I love Ken Ham and his research. I hate his tweets. I hate... He did a great job in the debate with uh, Bill Nye, except for the fact that if it wasn't a debate, they just gave their opinions and right. then walked away. It wasn't a real debate. Um, Ken Ham can be a little rude, but it's because he's so he's so focused on the authority of Scripture. And I get right. that, but he, he, he can use a little grace in his life. But AnswersInGenesis.org, there are so many resources. Oh, yeah. And hundreds of... And, and they they hire scientists all the time mm-hmm. who are Christians who are trying to do these these research and conversations. That's for the younger creationists. Um, AnswersInGenesis.org. The second one is called Reasons.org. And that's uh, Hugh Ross. He was the president and founder. He's an old earth creationist. He's an uh, astrophysicist. Um, but an amazing, amazing believer, amazing Christian. Um, and even though there's a lot of things on this website, it's called Reasons to Believe, reasons.org, there still are tons of amazing articles that explain what's going on in the world. You just have to understand that it's coming from an old earth creationist viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one, they don't claim to be theistic evolutionists. They describe it as something else, but I can't understand it. anything else besides theistic evolution. 
is called biologos.org. In other words, like bio, like biology and logos, right. the word. Right. So it's supposed to be they they put them together, and here's how they work. Hmm. Um, they have a lot of beautifully written articles about faith and God and, and all these different things and common questions, um, including like God's relationship to his creation. They have a lot of good stuff out there. Um, I've read a lot of articles, but you have to understand they are theistic evolutionists. Right. But I would encourage our listeners not to just take what their church has always taught them. Or what they've heard or today. Or what they've heard today, but go do the research on your own, man. Like, and if you have questions or need more resources, get a hold of Mark and I. We'll, we'll point you in the right direction. The last day, even yesterday, I've, I've listened to hours of content, because right. this is what we're going through with the teenagers right now. Right. Um, but, yep, answers at genesis.org, reasons.org, biologos.org. But just understand that as Christians, we always, always, always have to remember that the Bible is not a science book. It just tells us who created, what he created, and why he created. Although the Bible is not a science textbook, it tells us that how we get our orderly world by which we can do science. Right. And we have to always understand there's a difference between historical science and actual observational science. Right. And we, can, we cannot get the two confused. Right. Those, that's my last thought. Good Any last thought. thoughts from you, my friend? Nope. I think you uh, landed the plane very nicely. Very smooth Thank ride. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. But just because the plane has landed... Now we got to deboard. we got to deboard. You ready to deboard us, Fuller? I, I'm ready. It's a short one today since we're running a little long. That's all right. It's a short, fun fact with Fuller it's a today. Short, it's, uh, let's see, five, six words. What? Well, f- maybe five. It depends on how you write it. Now the joke is always I always because we record two a night I I know one of them and I don't know the other one I love it I don't know this one this one's pretty funny so I'm gonna be enjoying the ride with our listeners it's real short all right did you know Mark and listeners that most toilets flush in the key of E flat <laughs> what most toilets flush in the key of E flat that's a load of crap hold on <laughs> literally <laughs> what key look it up he's dude. Toilets, fl- wow! Google popped that answer for most toilets flush in E flat. If you, dr- wow! Let's if see. you drop, it this says if you. Well, uh, I can't read what it says. If you, if if you, Click. if you, if you poop and have a perfect pitch, listen to your toilet flush as the water swirls around the drain. It is the key of E flat. Yep. You've got to be kidding me. I don't know why you always try to fact check me, man. Because it's like there's there's no way that there's a key, and I, this actually says if you. You can jam out to Nirvana in their keys to the same key as what your toilet flushes. I did not know that's a fun fact with with Mr. Mark Hyde. Or Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'm sure they do all their songs in different keys. But either way, yeah. next time next time you poop. Listen for the E flat. Get out your uh get out your key heat listener and then you can li- <laughs> your tuner. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Well, hey, guys, we are so thankful for you all. We will see you guys next time. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.